Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome from, welcome from, that's the worst I've ever done an intro to any show in my entire life. <laughs> welcome to the Views from the Clock End podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Kai Karnak. How are you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Very good, mate. Thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, see, that's how you like answer a question. That's how you use a sentence uh, what you want to say. I'm just not able to do that. The, the Nicola Pepper School of short answers to questions there. Yeah, we'll get on to that. That's a nice segue. I might, uh, we'll use a time machine and go back to that in a little bit in the show. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm off form, Arsenal are off form. Maybe that's that's the way it works. And we need to win this weekend to get things back to normal. Um, thank you, listeners, of course, for joining us as always. We'll be doing these shows to the best of our ability every single week. So make sure you are indeed subscribed to the Arsenal Way on YouTube and across our audio platforms as well. A massive thank you to helping us reach 50,000 subscribers on the Arsenal Way channel as well. Amazing amount of work's gone into things here and uh, you are a massive part, of course, making that happen by listening and watching the show. So thank you. Um, we're going to kick off. I know that you're probably, you know, done to death of hearing about Arsenal's defeat to Man City, but myself and Kai haven't really had a chance to catch up uh, properly, publicly since that game. Kai, you were there. Um we were very pumped up beforehand for this game, as was everyone in the stadium, everyone outside the stadium and watching from all the places around the world. But especially in the second half, anyway, we didn't necessarily get the performance to match that same oomph that was there from the crowd. Yeah, the atmosphere was great. Um, I think we expected that given that it's been so good all season at the Emirates Stadium and... I thought, you know, we'd get another one of those Manchester United type evenings where the atmosphere was just purely electric and every time things have gone against Arsenal this season, the atmosphere has been superb. And to be fair, you know, you look after the Tomiyasu era, fans immediately saying, come on and trying Tomiyasu's name and all that kind of stuff. Like, it just wouldn't have happened this time last year. It simply wouldn't have done two years ago, obviously COVID, but, you know, however however long ago it was when Unai Emery, who we'll talk about later, is uh, was in the dugout wouldn't have happened so that is a lovely transformation it's a shame that it's same as usual on the pitch when it comes to our results against Man City it's 11 defeats in a row and to be honest I think Arsenal got out tactics in the second half but I also think they got out personnel I think they just you saw the limitations of this Arsenal squad they looked tired and City looked like they had another gear to go to Arsenal just didn't and City pushed Diaz up into midfield they went long to Haaland they had those options that versatility Ake obviously shifted out to left back when Akanji came on and those are the kind of box of tricks that Pep Guardiola is working with. He's got various different weapons he can throw at Arsenal, if you'll pardon the pun. And I think it just makes life easier for him in a way that Mikel Arteta simply doesn't have and won't ever have at a club like Arsenal because financially you can't really compete with City. I thought they did a really good job up until about 50-odd minutes. And then I think Bernardo Silva was swapped out of left back and suddenly the Man City yeah. defence looks really solid suddenly their attacks start looking really good and Arsenal couldn't get out of their own half. And from that point onwards, it was it was kind of a done deal. It was it was a shame because I think the atmosphere deserved a better, better um, result. But 
listen, these are the kind of games you have to be winning if you want to win a Premier League title and you can't be giving away individual errors like that. You can't be giving away goals. You can't not be taking your chances as well. And on the night, Arsenal were deserving losers, as sad as it is to say. Yeah, it's, I do want to pick up on that point about how things kind of changed when Guardiola made those changes in the game. I was sent a really good thread. Um, uh, I'll give the person credit from John C. Olsen. Uh, a lot of people have seen this. It's been quoted and retweeted a lot of times. So it may have popped up on your Twitter timelines from at inverted FB. He said, Mikel Arteta got his tactics spot on uh, on Wednesday and it took Pep Guardiola over 60 minutes to match them. On another day, this would have been reflected in the scoreline, but wastefulness and individual errors cost the Gunners. And I want to add to that by saying, we then didn't react to City's reaction, if that makes sense, because we maintain kind of where we were at. That's how I feel. But how do you yeah. feel? I don't, I don't necessarily disagree, but I think, again, that's what we're talking about earlier in terms of, I don't know if Arsenal had the players on the bench to react without Jesus, without Smith-Rowe, mm. uh, without uh, Partey. I don't know if they had the players capable of really changing the tide of that game once it was very clear it was heading in City's direction. But I do agree that, you know, if Tommy Asu doesn't make that back pass, if Gabriel doesn't give the ball away, and if Eddie Nketiah takes one of his three amazing chances, Arsenal are looking really good in that game and lots of things could have gone very differently. But... Overall, I do think that Man City was so dominant in the second half that they probably did just about deserve to win in terms of sort of field get sort of gameplay tilt, all that kind of stuff. I think they just about deserved the win. It was it was it was a close one. I thought their teams were evenly matched. And yeah, like that guy said in his thread, Arsenal probably edged it in the first half, but City have options. And this is this is what you're dealing with when you're coming up against Man City in a in a title race. Arsenal don't have those same options as things stand, and it makes life very difficult. Yeah, of course it does. Um, I, I think we'll go. We'll talk about kind of the depth of the squad as well, and we talk about Aston Villa and potential changes as well. Um, but I do want to talk about kind of the fallout to the game, and obviously that bleeds into the press conference that you were attending this morning. I've seen a, a plethora of reaction. Some stereotypically meltdown esque, uh, as you would imagine. You know, it's the I coined it as the biggest game of the decade for us, and I stand by. I felt like it was that important for Arsenal to get a win if they wanted to go ahead and win the title, a title that we haven't obviously won for 19 seasons. So, when you see that meltdown, and then also kind of on the other end of the spectrum, a reaction which was very much of which kind of where more so I think I fell into, which was on another day. With that same performance, Arsenal can come out of a win because the goals they've scored have come from errors and the chances we've missed have come from our own good creation rather than City errors. And so it's I know it's a cliche of football saying on another day you win, but I mean, I don't think we were particularly outclassed because I look at when we lost 5-0 to City and go, that's Arsenal being outclassed. Whereas I look at that game and go, actually, we created some good chances we should have scored from and we shouldn't have made the errors that we made. I don't know if I fully agree with that. I think in the second half, Arsenal were outclassed. I thought they the, the second half, beyond the hour mark after the Bernardo Silva switch out of left-back, I thought Arsenal really struggled. And yeah, they had more possession, but I think that was slightly skewed by the fact that City sat back after they got the third goal and were happy to just chill, basically, in their own half. And Arsenal passed it around them, but didn't really cause any problems. So, yeah. Um, no, I, I think City were the better team on the night uh, overall across the 90 minutes. Yes, Arsenal had their chances and, you know, by the time City figured out how to win the game, Arsenal could have been out of sight for sure. But, you know, if you don't take your chances, and this is what Arteta said after the game, when you have them, then you, you end up losing. And those are the difference between the very big teams uh, in those very big games. And Arsenal were new to these sort of situations. Man City have been here countless times and done it before. Now, 
Arsenal are lucky in the sense they have a chance to to come back and we'll, we'll move on to Villa in a little bit and talk about the, the comeback and bouncing back because it's a league season, it's not a cup competition, so they can come back and, you know, forget that, move on, go forward and learn from their mistakes. But it's going to be difficult now and City are a team who are very used to being in front and being chased and Arsenal, yes, do have the game in hand, but, you know, that, that cushion that they had and the psychological advantage of being at the top of the league is now gone and they need to deal with that very, very quickly. Yeah, no, they absolutely do. Um, and you spoke to Mikel Arteta this morning uh, in the press conference. Didn't particularly want to give much away. I suppose we'll first start with the team news side of things. Smith Rowe, positive, should be back. Um, he's trained for a couple of weeks now and gradually building up that intensity of inclusion in training. And Arteta basically turned around and said if he, if he trains today, which we expect him to, he'll be involved. The other side being Thomas Partey's uh, potential involvement. We were told on Wednesday that it was a tight muscle issue, which Arteta then clarified on Amazon by saying it was a back muscle issue, um, which is, a you know, it's, you don't particularly associate long-term injuries with, with tightness anyway. It should be, you'd think, a couple of games. But also, I, I sensed, and obviously in both press conferences, both the one after City and today's when talking about, I think there's a little bit of frustration about the lateness of how they found out about our Partey's tightness. And we can only speculate around why that happens. But considering we would, we're aware that he trained okay on Tuesday, it must have been very late. So how do you think Arteta will be viewing that whole situation? Yeah, Arteta said in his uh, post-match City press conference that it happened very, very late. But, you know, frustration, yeah, because you, you have a game plan, you have to change it at the last minute. But I don't think, I'm sure there's not much that Partey could have done about it. And I'm sure it's, it's something that Arsenal are used to sort of dealing with in terms of these late injury scares when it comes to Partey. But I thought Jorginho was pretty good against City. I gave him my man of the match in, in my player ratings and I, I thought he, he played pretty well. And if he, if he puts in a similar performance against Aston Villa, I think Arsenal will be fine. And that's why I do think the Jorginho signing was a smart one, despite the fact that it got a lot of negative feedback, I think. If it had been Albert Sambi Lekonga playing those games, then I think we'd be we'd be talking yeah. a very different conversation. So, yeah, Arsenal are just about well covered, and it doesn't seem as though Partey's injury is going to be a long term one. If Arteta's doing the whole, he's going to be assessed. But you know, Arteta did that with Tommy Asu for the whole of last season, and he ended up missing four months. So, it's impossible to say. I don't think there's any suggestion that Partey's going to be out for anything near that amount of time. It does seem as though it's sort of a tweak in a back muscle and hopefully he'll be back soon. I don't think he'll be back for Aston Villa as we talk now and we record this on Friday afternoon, but fingers crossed he'll be able to be there and it'd be a great boost if they're able to have him. But Jorginho is definitely a good replacement, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think that of the players that are available in January and you look at what Arsenal could go and bring in, Jorginho was probably in the top tier of, of players available in that moment. He might not be in the top tier of midfielders I'd like to see ultimately replaced Partey in the long term, but that's not what we were discussing in January. And so despite us still seeing YouTube comments, Twitter comments saying we should have signed Caicedo for more money, we should have signed Anana from Everton. A, Caicedo was not for sale at whatever price, and Anana neither wanted to leave Everton. Uh, I think we've all seen the famous video after the Arsenal defeat anyway now as well regarding him and his attitude towards staying at Everton. So they just weren't there. The options weren't there for Arsenal in that window to try and sign those players. And so getting in Jorginho and seeing him perform in that way, I'm I'm glad it kind of maybe shut a few people up in regard to the real bashing that he's got since coming in. Uh, and I agree with you that I thought he was the man of the match uh, in, in that game from an Arsenal perspective. Um, 
that said, I think that the the overriding consensus from a lot of the fan base, and, and I agree with them, is that changes are needed um, this weekend, not only because I think we need to freshen things up, but so it's been less than three days. Arteta actually spoke about that, didn't he? His frustration around the, the fixture, fixture schedule. Try saying that 10 times when you're drunk. Um, yeah, but the frustration around that fixture schedule is something he wanted to talk about. Yeah, it's something he spoke about quite a few times. He spoke about it last season when Arsenal played Liverpool on a Wednesday night and then actually went to Villa Park again on a Saturday 12.30 kickoff. And that's the game when Saka got his uh, ankles almost taken off by Tyrone Mings. And then Steven Gerrard had a go at him because he didn't have pins in his hips and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I think Arteta's clearly very upset about that. And I think he feels that Arsenal aren't given the same protection of the Champions League clubs when it comes to those midweek fixtures. And I get where he's coming from because Man City couldn't have played a 12.30 kickoff. And it does change things in terms of people might say, oh, how does a 12.30 kickoff differ from a 3 p.m. kickoff? Well, it means that a team doesn't have to travel the night before if they play at 3 p.m. In terms of meal times, players will probably have a big bowl of pasta before they play a game. They're now having to have pasta at 9 a.m., which, you know, isn't nice. But, you know, it's not, it's not ideal. It's not the end of the world, though, I don't think. And I think Arsenal will, will be able to go into the game relatively refreshed and you know three games in a week is something they're gonna to have to get used to because it's coming a lot throughout the rest of the season and it's coming a lot next season when they're in the Champions League but I do kind of get what he's saying in the sense that Champions League teams don't play Wednesday night and then Saturday lunchtime it just doesn't happen it's within the rules and they've, they've, they've had a meeting about it with the Premier League and Jurgen Klopp kicked off about it I think his point is well why isn't that the same for everyone which I do understand and yeah, it's it's one of them where you can kind of see both arguments. The Premier League will probably say, well, we'll always end up upsetting someone with the fixture list, but I think Arsenal should be okay. And I wouldn't think fatigue is going to be an issue for them. I think if it is, it's more a case of maybe Arteta hasn't rotated enough earlier in the season rather than him not rotating enough this week specifically. But what, if any, rotations would you make for this game? Um, okay, so this this sort of leans into a question that we we got. I know it's yeah. part one, but um, got a we question. Can merge them. We can merge the two. So let me find it on Facebook from Jay Nathaniel, who says, "Kivi your debut, Kainak." Um, I don't think we'll see Yaku Kivi your start. Um, as poor as Gabriel was uh, this weekend, uh, this week, sorry, against Man City. I don't think Yaku Kivi will be thrown in. I think we'll see him in the Europa League, whoever it is that Arsenal end up playing. I think. Gabriel will be given a night off and then Kivio will come in. And if he impresses, which I think we all hope he does, because none of us have seen him and none of us really know too much about him, then, you know, fingers crossed, he can start playing a bit more regularly after that. But I think we'll see Ben White come back in for Takahiro Tomiyasu. Mm. I think Jorginho will play again, as I've said. And personally, I'd like to bring in Kieran Tierney for Alex Zinchenko. I don't think Zinchenko has been at his best the past couple of games. And I think Villa will probably go for a low block again. And I think that means that Arsenal are going to have to find solutions in the wide areas and they've not really done that so far. And maybe you can bring a, a, a winger slightly more in field if you've got Tierney holding the width out wide. I just think that makes sense just for this game, just to try something new because it's not been working the past two games, the, the approach that Arsenal have tried. And teams seem to have, have worked out a way to stop them. I, I actually asked Arteta about that in uh, the press conference. I said, do you think teams have figured you out? And he didn't really like that question, which fair enough, but it sort of had, had to be asked, I think, because right. you know, Arsenal haven't won in four games now. But mm. it's, yeah, it's that's the change I make. I think I'd bring in Trossard for Martinelli as well. Just again, to freshen things up, just to try something new. That's not necessarily saying that Martinelli's done at the team forever, but just give Trossard a go. And then if it doesn't work, you know, 
bring Martinelli on after an hour, quick, we'll run at that Villa back line, Matty Cash won't know what hit him, and then suddenly, you know, maybe chances open up for him because Trossard's been getting the last half an hour of every game past few weeks and he comes in and makes an impact and Arteta didn't rule out him starting. So, yeah, those would be the changes I think I'd make. I think White, Tierney, uh, I suppose Jorginho's not really a change, but then Trossard in for Martinelli as well. I, I don't know. I think that's... Tierney's certainly one I don't expect you or most people to agree with, but I think the other two probably pretty common opinion. I've got Tierney in my team. Um, difference is I'm taking Xhaka out um, and I'm okay. moving Zinchenko into Xhaka's position. Uh, I'm also taking Eddie and Ketty out for Trossard and making it that way as my front three. Um, I just think that Eddie is shattered um, and I don't think Martinelli is. I When I watched the end of the game against Man City, the runs that Eddie was making were that of a player that has played the full match of every game since the World Cup. There were some tired runs uh, in that. And I just think that we need to try something a little bit different. Uh, one, to give him a rest. Two, to, I think, take him away from the firing line somewhat. Um, if there's a player that's going to play themselves back into form, I'd back it to be Martinelli more than it more than I would back it to be Eddie. And especially with the idea of Gabriel Jesus returning in the next, what we hope, the start of March time. Um, although, again, we are still being given no update at all as to when that will happen. Trossard's experience playing centre-forward for Brighton is there. He's played that this season and previous seasons as well. And I just think that that stuff happens with him. When he's on the ball, you think something's going to happen. And he's he's given that to us. I think Arteta actually said that in one of his press conferences. He said every time he's come on, he's done something. Yeah, he uh, said that like today, yeah. He's, he scored against Brentford. Uh, he had a couple of really good shots and opportunities against Everton. Uh, he came in against Man City. And it just, again, it felt like something different was on the pitch. When we played Man City at the Etihad in the FA Cup, he was the most threatening player in the first half. I just think that I'd like to see him given the opportunity there. And I think that I'd rather see Eddie given the rest over, over Martinelli. And so if you're going to do that, I think Trossard probably goes centrally. The Zinchenko one is, again, with Xhaka. I just think Xhaka's performances in 2023 have kind of just dipped a bit. And that might be because Jesus has been absent, because I think with Jesus in there, he had a really good relationship with Xhaka in the first half of the season. But I think with Zinchenko, you then regain the mobility that you lose without Partey there in the midfield. Um, Xhaka and, and Jorginho, no matter what you think of them as players, and I think they're very good, that dynamic of having two players that on the turn just aren't quite the same as what you get from Zinchenko. There was a number of moments where Jorginho went in on a player meant, uh, on Wednesday night. And then had to quickly turn and sprint back because the amount of space that was then left was was massive. Uh, I, I like you want to see Tierney. Um, I want to see him play. I want to see him given the opportunity. That said, if I was a better man, I wouldn't bet on Tierney coming in. I I, I don't think you're going to see that. I think the max changes you'll see is two, which will probably be Trossard in for Martinelli and White in for Tommy Asu. That that's the changes I think that will happen. Um, but I'd like to see a bit more uh, than that. Uh, and then Emil Smith-Rowe hopefully getting a chance maybe in the second half. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I think there's scope for change. And I think, you know, it's difficult to be wrong, I think, about freshening up the squads because just something different, I think, is what we need. And there are opportunities. I'll ask you then regarding the subs uh, and the changes that we make in-game. Arteta's made, uh, in theory, the same changes in the last three Premier League games, which has been... Trossard for Martinelli, uh, Fabio Vieira for Xhaka, and then swapping the right-backs. That's been the changes that he's made. 
And in every single one of those games, despite obviously Trossard scoring against Brentford, obviously didn't go on to win that, even though there was some controversy, some controversy, lots of controversy with their equaliser. But we haven't, on paper, won the games when he's made those changes. Do you think he needs to be a bit more proactive with those options? Uh, I don't know about proactive, but I think certainly less predictable. I think Trossard mm. for Martinelli, like for like, Vieira for Xhaka, like for like, um, White for Tomiassi or Tomiassi for White, like for like. I'm not seeing much variety to these changes from, from Arsenal. And again, I know we've spoken about personnel and there not being that many options off the bench in terms of things that can actually change the game, but why not try something different? Why not? I mean, I'm, I'm, I think the idea of Trossard going up front doesn't quite give me the same sense of confidence you, you seem to get from it, but why not give it a go? Try something different. It's not working at the minute. And I think he would argue plan A has served Arsenal very well up until this point. And why change a winning formula? Well, it's not winning anymore. That's why. Yeah. And I think that that's that's something that does need to be changed. And if Arsenal stick to their principles and end up losing the title and Manchester City change their principles and go on to win the title, you know, who's the real winners there? It's, it's obviously Manchester City. So, yes, it will be difficult for Arteta to, to change things. And yes, he'll not want to do that too much if he can avoid it. But just a few tweaks here and there, just throw Tierney in, try something different, maybe Trossard up front. Why not just refresh it? Because Arsenal look like a team that are going a bit stale and they look like a team who could do with something a bit different, just to refresh, to try something new. I remember the Chelsea game last season when Arsenal went into it off the back of three losses and Arteta shocked us all by going for Elneny in midfield, a sort of back three, back four hybrid and just tried something different. And it's not something that we all would have expected him to do, but it got the result. And why not try mm. something, I'm not saying exactly the same or similar, but just something new that I think the Premier League isn't expecting. And I think, you know, hopefully we get Arsenal back on course because they need it right now. Yeah, no, I think that's well summed up. Um, it's, this this section is merging into part two because I think a lot of what you talked about is covered uh, in one of the questions asked uh, on Twitter from at uh, Ops, uh, which is, hi, Tom and Kaya, can Arsenal abandon how they play just to get results like what City did to us? I wish to see Arsenal with 20% or 30% possession and a 2-0 win. Most teams do that to us. Um, yeah. I don't agree with the most teams bit, but I certainly agree with I'd like to see Arsenal win in a different way and then be able to rather, not win in a different way, but just be able to win in a different way uh, and recognise that you... You have to change things. You know, you, you get through through certain periods. You have to change. I mean, you look at what Pep's doing at the moment this season. He's changed this back three system. He's using Bernardo Silva in a different way. And although I thought it was a bit it was a bit risky to do it against Arsenal and it nearly didn't work until he changed it in the second half. And I thought, you know, to be fair, Anthony Taylor gave Silva far too many chances in, in regards to yellow cards and should have been on one sooner. But I do think that you have to be malleable if you're going to go and win something because... Playing the same way as you described with the substitutions is just too predictable. It's too stoppable. It's too uh, copy and paste for managers of different clubs to look at what the previous team did, like Brentford did with Everton, and to then, you know, just stifle you. And I think we've seen that now. So, yes, we are going to have to do something different, whether that's with personnel, with the system, or with the way that which we're playing, or the way we change the game later on in the game. We're going to have to do something different. How confident are you that we will... Not very. Um, mm. Knowing Arteta, I think we'll see a relatively similar eleven to the one that's played against Brentford and the one that's played against uh, Manchester City on Saturday. I think he'll go more or less the same side. If I had to predict a team, I'd say 
maybe white in for Tomiassi being pretty much the only change I'd expect him to make. So uh, I can't see him making too many changes. He did. He didn't rule it out. But um, yeah, he was sort of asked about his um, his tactics in the embargoed section. So I won't go into the specifics of that. But his answer didn't really suggest that he wanted to to change things. As far as I'm can sort of get it from what he was saying it was always the classic Arteta slightly cryptic response. But um, yeah, I just I don't think he'll change anything. I think he hasn't changed anything now. So why would he change at this point? I know I gave the example of Chelsea last season where he did change things, but I just can't see it. I just can't see it. I'm afraid. And yeah, listen, if Arsenal get back to winning ways with the exact same starting eleven that's started pretty much every game this season, then amazing. Because I think we all want to see that, but just can't see him changing it. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, let's officially begin part two um, of the pods. Uh, I'll start. I got a f- and thank you to people that have sent in questions. We know that it was short notice, but uh, a few of you have sent them in now, which is great to see. Um, you can find, obviously, Kaya on Twitter at KayaKarnet97. You can find myself at Tom Canton Media and all of our stuff over at football.london. Uh, question in, I really like this one. It's not technically from... Uh, the person who's asked it. They've quoted a question from someone else who's, who they clearly agree and, and want to ask. So, uh, at Mike Hers FC has quoted Dublin Gooners tweet that says, just a question, but how do you think we're in danger, or rather, do you think we're in danger of forgetting to enjoy being better because we're so busy being anxious about being the best? Yeah, that's that's uh, Mike Hurts is on the Gooners pod with um, your friend of mine, Mike, quite often. So, shout out to, to Mike Hurts. Uh, yeah. Good question. Um, I am of that opinion. I'm of that opinion yeah. that I think Arsenal need to enjoy it, enjoy being near the top of the league. And I saw, I think, I can't remember who did it. Paddy Power maybe did a quite a funny video where it's like uh, it's sort of two friends talking, one being an Arsenal fan and one not. And it was sort of like something along the lines of the Arsenal fans stressing out because Arsenal were top yeah. of the league and a friend going, well, isn't that what you wanted? And the, the Arsenal fan going, no, I don't want to be top of the league now. And then yeah. the fan goes, oh, well, so you want to be second? Like, no, I don't want to be second. I want to be it's top. Kind it's like, girlfriend, I think, isn't it? Um, oh, is it? Okay, okay. Yeah, and it's yeah, just it's like, oh, I don't really know what, um, what would make Arsenal fans comfortable or happy. And I totally get why people are stressed out because it's kind of transitioned now in the second half of the season post-World Cup and as we enter the back end. It's sort of gone from, wow, this is great. Arsenal are top of the league. No one saw this coming to, oh my God, if Arsenal don't win the Premier League from here, it's a disaster. And there's no middle yeah. ground. And I think yeah. there does need to be a middle ground because I think it, it, it would do people good to just remember no one expected this. No one expected Arsenal to be anywhere near where they are now. And I think that that means it's a lot more fun when you just accept that, you know, you might as well go along for the ride. And I think to be fair to them, Almost every fan in the Emirates Stadium is doing this, getting behind the team and trying to cheer them on as much as they can. Stressing out, listen, you can't tell people how to support and everyone's got their own way of doing it. However, I do think if Arsenal fans just try and find a way to enjoy how well their teams play for most of the season, it'd be great because every week we're having these conversations about trying to find something wrong or something that's not gone exactly right. And, you know, the team's been pretty good this season. I think they've only dropped points in, what, four or five games all season? That's yeah. amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And none of us saw it yeah. coming. So let's find that middle ground between panic and sort of hysteria. There's somewhere somewhere in between it. There is there is a middle ground. And you know, you can you can try and get some joy out of this season because who knows if Arsenal are going to be as good next season because Man United will come strong, Liverpool will come strong, Chelsea will probably come strong. 
Spurs might even get their act together for once. So it's going to be a lot more difficult. Doing so well, <laughs> Newcastle will get better as well. Brighton are still a good side. You know, Leicester will probably get there actually. The Premier League will be much more difficult next season as it is every single season it gets harder. So enjoy it while it lasts this season. And I'm not saying it's not going to carry on lasting because I think this young team is a nucleus of a side who can go on to win and challenge for Premier Leagues for a very long time. But it's going to be good for a while. So just enjoy it because it's going to be fun. I won't. (laughs) I won't enjoy it. It will be a stressful, chaotic mess until the final day of the season. Um, that said, you know, if, if, if the worst case scenario happens, which in my mind, the worst case scenario is second right now, which, you know, and you think about worst case scenarios, I know I I'm worst discounting. Worst case scenario is third if you look at where Man United are. I know, I'm just trying not to think about that <laughs> idea at the moment. Um, but in my mind, if you finish second in this season, I'll be gutted that we've not won the league, absolutely. But I'll look back on it and go, wow, like that, what a step forward this club has taken in the space of a year from massive disappointment. Um, we just, we're a bit cursed, you know, because we already have this expectation of last season, get into the, get just get back into European football. Oh, wow, we're on a, we're in a race for the Champions League. We're fourth. We're still fourth. Oh, we're not fourth. What a terrible season we had. And this season, it's like, right, we absolutely have to get Champions League this season. Oh my God, we're in the league. We're winning the league right now. We are... Oh, we finished second. We're terrible. Like that's 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 the life of an Arsenal fan in some ways. And look, it, it will be a big disappointment, I think, because of the opportunity we've given ourselves. Because that is just the way football is. You know, you will feel disappointed if we don't win the league because there's been this promise and this lead that we've had. But in reality, football isn't one in half a season. You have to do it across the whole campaign. Um, but we've given ourselves a really good chance. We're still in a really good opportunity. We've not blown it. Um, and I plan on enjoying it for as long as feasibly possible. And look, this weekend, I, we cannot stress how important it is for Arsenal to get this kind of dip of form out the way because the runner fixtures up until we play City again. The only big six team we play in that run until we play City again is Liverpool, which obviously are a team that are... At Anfield. <laughs> at Anfield, which are a team that are very difficult to know what on earth they're going to do. Um, but we have beaten them once this season. I know we've not won there since I think 2012. Um, but uh, in the league. But yeah, look, I think that there is a real opportunity here for Arsenal to go on a proper run and get a proper build of momentum going forwards until that Manchester City game, or at least up until that Liverpool game and go into that game with momentum as much as we can. And then we can move forward from there. Uh, do you have a question? Yeah, I do. Uh, a question on Twitter from uh, Osuk Thaddeus, who is at Osuk2. And his his question is, what would the lineup be like? But I feel like we, we discussed it a bit earlier. Mm. But he says Fabio Vieira needs to replace uh, Granit Xhaka. And I think that does give us a chance to maybe go into a debate about Fabio Vieira, I think. Um, weirdly, I, I saw him uh, driving into the training grounds today as I drove out uh, in his car. Very nice car, much nicer than the car I was in. But um, I guess my question is... Sorry? Not fair to whoever's car that was. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No disrespect to Sam Dean. He was very generous to give me a lift. But as far as as good as Fabio Vieira is, I'm afraid. But having said that, I I, I think I... I, My question to you, and I'm going to paraphrase uh, the question on Twitter, is sort of, what do you make of Fabio Vieira? Do you think he's stagnating? What do you think Arsenal need to do to get him firing again? Because he's one of the options they have to change things off the bench and they've turned to him in the past three matches and he's not been able to deliver. I've seen some suggestions on Twitter that 
he needs a bit more rhythm, a bit more time in the team. But I'm kind of of the opinion that he came to Arsenal knowing he was going to be a backup player. So he needs to be ready when these opportunities come. I don't have too much sympathy for the rhythm argument. But I'm interested to know what you think. Yeah, I I have some sympathy for the rhythm argument because I think you can apply the same context to Eddie Nketiah. Like you look at Eddie Nketiah at the end of, uh, in the seasons where he's just been brought off the bench, done nothing, and then you give him a run of games and a run of starts, and he impresses and he proves people, look, this is what I can do if given the the ability to play. But I do agree that if you are a player that's on the bench, you have to take the opportunities that come to you, and it's not an excuse to say I've only been a sub or I've only got 7 to 10 or to 20 minutes here and there. Because there's also been games that he started that he's not done particularly well in as well regarding Fabio Vieira, which I think has to be pointed out. I think there's a real talent there. I watched so much of him when he was at Porto when we were signing him to familiarise myself with him as a player. And I was so impressed with how direct he is, how good he on the ball he was, his vision with passing and how good that was. And I've just not seen that transition you know to Arsenal I know that the level of competition from Portugal to England is is a step above and I know that obviously coming into this league and then having to adapt to being a a non-starter is also going to be difficult but I just haven't been able to see the same from him I also think that his lightness has been highlighted obviously he does feel quite lightweight he does get knocked off the ball easy um, he doesn't particularly want to go into challenges. I remember in the first half of the season when he was playing in the Europa League, if he get like challenged, he would be on the floor rolling around, you know, after a tackle. And I think there is something to be said that he needs to be working on that. And that may come in the second season that he's here rather than the first. But yeah, it's it's a tough one. I asked Arteta actually about how do you how do you kind of um I think I said something on the lines of how are you going to ensure that players like Kivior and Vieira at such a crucial age of their development are going to get enough minutes when they're playing behind established starters? And he basically just turned around and obviously said, you know, I can guarantee you they'll get the minutes. Um, And they'll deserve them because they're good players. Is something on the lines that he said. It was a few weeks ago now. But I think that he's a talented player, um, but he has to show more in the opportunities that when... Uh, they come. Uh, I think when the Europa League gets back underway, he'll obviously be starting some games there. Even though we're in the knockouts, Arteta's focus is going to be very much more so on the Premier League because I think Champions League, which often we've looked to the Europa League as a route into, you'd think is probably secured within the league this season. I'd be mad if it wasn't. And so, obviously, while I'd like to win a European trophy, the Premier League has to take precedence. So we will rotate when we can. I think Vieira will get chances there. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, he will, he will. But I also think he'll get chances in the Premier League off the bench. And mm. Granit Xhaka is not in the best of form right now. If if I'm Fabio Vieira, I'm thinking, oh, hey, that's that's my starting spot. I could probably take. And mm. he did it against Wolves. He came on against Wolves, but for Xhaka and and made a decent impact off the bench. Got a good assist. Why not try and steal that spot again? It's there for the taking. And Arteta, you know, doesn't always make changes, but I think if he if he sees Vieira coming off the bench and really making an impact in matches, he's he's not going to not give him the chances and reward him for that, even though he does love Granite Jacker and Granite Jacker has been good for most of the season. But yeah, I think there's a player there. And listen, players take time to adapt, like you said. And Bernardo Silva, for example, who we've, we've praised a lot, who's another Portuguese player who came to the Premier League, took a season to to adapt. It's easier to do that when you've got a team full of £50 million stars around you, as opposed to being a bit more focused on at Arsenal. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think Vieira needs to be showing more from the bench, I think. I think he's not doing enough. And um, 
I, maybe I'm being a bit harsh with him, but I, I think I want to see more from him off the bench because Arsenal need him in these games, and that's his role in the squad. And he he would have signed knowing that was his role in the squad. He wouldn't have Arsenal wouldn't have said, "Look, you're going to come here and be a regular starter." They'd have said, "Look, we'll give you your minutes. You develop into a good player." But if, to be able to do that and to be able to earn more minutes, Europa League, Premier League, wherever, he does need to take opportunities when they come. And yeah, they're few and far between, but every player has that when they first come to a big club. It's kind of just about how well you take those opportunities. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I've got a question from uh, Peeny Ween at Peeny Ween One, who says, is it fair to say that Trossard so far has been a good investment and therefore shows that we didn't need to pay over the odds for who he calls Muddy Rick, which I think is probably Mudrick. Uh, what do yeah. you think? Yeah, he's been, he's been good. I, I don't think he's been transformative. I don't think Arsenal necessarily are in a position where they've gone from a place where maybe their strength and depth up front wasn't the best in the world to now suddenly Trossard has met their, their an all-conquering front line. But I think he's definitely put them in a better position than before. And in games where maybe things aren't quite going right, we've seen that he can come on and make a bit of an impact. I do want to see a bit more from him. I do want to see him maybe taking the game to oppositions a little bit more. I know he scored against Brentford, but I didn't see him do an awful lot beyond that. Don't think he made a massive impact when he came on on Wednesday night against City. Yes, he was okay and he was pretty good actually. Sorry, in the in the game at the Etihad when he started, and which is why I think maybe you know you give him the the start and see where he goes from there. I think it's a little bit frustrating that Arteta solely used him as a left winger, staying out wide and not coming in that much. I'd like to see him maybe given a bit more of a free role. But yeah, I think there's a versatile player there who can play to a high level in lots of positions, and that's what you want. That's what you want from a squad player, and that's that's what he is. And Maybe he'll he'll play well and, and earn himself a starting spot between now and the end of the season. But I think he's been good. I, and you see how long Madrid's taken to adapt at Chelsea. You know, it's not easy coming in from the Ukrainian league into the Premier League. And Ukrainian league had obviously had a massive winter break as well. So he basically is in the middle of a pre-season and he's not getting full games at the minute. And he's not started that well at Chelsea. And he needs to form a relationship with the left back, yeah. which if he'd come to Arsenal would have been Zinchenko, who he knows from the national team. So all that kind of stuff. But I suppose Mudrick would have been more exciting because you think, wow, this is, you know, you see glimpses and you think, wow, what's to come? Whereas with Trossard, you see what he can do and you think, great, this is what he can do. You don't quite think, you know, wow, what, what might he be able to do? But listen, I think Trossard was a smart signing. I'm, I'm, I'm in favour of it. I think he's bolstered the Arsenal squad. The squad is better for having him in it. So, yeah, I think he's been good. I think he's been good. I think I, he can be better for sure. And I think he'll accept that. But so far, yeah, solid Seven out of ten, I'd say. Yeah, I think he's exactly what you expect from a January signing, you know, to be honest. Um, a signing that comes in in an important season, experienced, immediate uh, impact, you know, doesn't need the time to transition. And, yeah, look, I think that absolutely we should be looking at Trossard as a player that's going to offer us something between now and the end of the season. And it was a good decision to, to go for him after we missed out on Mudrick, who, you know, both on and off the field uh, has not had the best of starts to life um, at our, at, uh, at Chelsea. I don't know if you saw the the clip of him talking about Kukurea. Have you seen that? Um, his teammates uh, have been saying something on the lines of like they're not happy about him playing with Kukurea. And he was there and kind of indulging in it a bit. Uh, it was, uh, then I think the caption then goes to something along the lines of... Uh, Please don't put this uh, out or something. I think we all know um, social media is not Mikhailo Madrid's strong point when it comes to acting smart. Let's say, yeah, that's probably that's probably fair. Uh, and you know, we should probably say it's it's all taken um, 
anything we see online these days, you know, uh, especially with subtitles alongside it, you don't know how real the subtitles are. Um, but uh, that's obviously regarding the video and his, his Shakhtar Donetsk teammates. But uh, regarding the thing that you've alluded to, yeah, not not the best. Um, but yeah, when you're considering uh, what we've got coming up, though, just to kind of round off today's show, how do you feel um, about Arsenal's capacity to turn around their form? I need more uh, confidence. I'm going to. Yeah, I'm gonna I'd love to be able to give you that confidence. I think I'm, I'm quite tired. I hadn't start today, and you know, the city game was working well. Thursday was a busy day, so maybe later when I sort of wake up a little bit more, the confidence will come. But um, listen, Villa aren't in great shape. Uh, we haven't spoke about Unai, but um, obviously he'll want to get one over on Arsenal. He'll have that, and he's he's done pretty well against Arsenal in his two games of Villarreal, and he'll he'll be extra motivated to continue that record. But He's very good at one-off games. We know that. And he can certainly set up a side that can cause Arsenal problems. So it won't be easy. And if it was, you know, maybe Southampton at home, I feel a bit more confident going into the game so that Arsenal can come away with three points. And, you know, it's the perfect kind of fixture, all that jazz. But Villa away, it's it's tricky. They're in a very good run of form. They've been very good. I know they lost to City last week, but I think I saw an Albino stat. They've, they've actually won four more points than Arsenal since I took over at at Villa Park. So, you know, they're in very good form and it won't be an easy game. And it's not the kind of fixture you want if you want to get yourself back on track. But there's an opportunity there. You know, as much as we see all the negativity, I think Arsetta will be framing it as an opportunity. He'll say, look, you've been down and out. Now let's go for a tough trip. You come through this with flying colours and suddenly you're back on track again. So that's what the narrative needs to be for Arsenal. And I think, you know, him and the players will be will be focusing on that. And yeah, that's all they can do. It's, it's going to be tricky and I don't think by any stretch of the imagination I expect a 2-3-4-0. I expect it to be 1-0, 2-1 kind of thing. But, um, yeah, fingers crossed they can get back on track because they could really, really do with a result. And we've seen this film before in terms of Arsenal's bad results le- le- really leading into a poor run. We don't want to see that this time around. I asked Arteta about that at Goodison Park and his response was, how do you stop a bad winning, winning run, a bad losing run carrying on? Winning. So, yeah. Let's see if Arsenal can do that tomorrow. A really nice elaborated answer that was. Uh, <laughs> not wrong, though. Not wrong. Um, but yes, no, I look forward to seeing uh, what the boys do tomorrow, what Arteta picks tomorrow, myself and and Kai will be there at Villa Park uh, up early once again for another lunchtime kickoff. Hopefully a lot more beneficial than the last one was um, up at Everton, of course. Um We've been, uh, well, people have been suggesting that I'm a bad omen for these away games. I would like to point out that I was there at Brighton, you know, when we won that game. I was there at Leeds when we won that game. Um, but I also, unfortunately, was there for Southampton and for City and for Everton. Uh, so, yeah, but Kai was there for City and Brentford. So, you know, it's it levels out. I was the there F- for all the other games in the first half of the season, though. <laughs> we're not talking about that. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, uh, yes, uh, hopefully we're seeing a, a response tomorrow because, yeah, my goodness, do we need it. Um, you'll, of course, be able to catch all the build-up coverage and reaction to that game over on football.london. Uh, Mikel Arteta's press conference after the game as well. We'll have a live blog for that and you'll be to watch that back on the Arsenal way as well. Kyle, anything in particular to give a shout out to? Not really. Um, we'll have a, a, a line this evening from the embargo section of Arteta's press conference. Keep an eye out for that. There's obviously the predicted mm-hmm. lineup, but no, it's just Villa. Focuses on Villa. We're traveling up there tomorrow. Big game. Join us for coverage of it as we try and see whether Arsenal can get back on track. 
absolutely. You can follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Karnak 97 and on Facebook as well. Uh, you'll be able to follow myself at Tom Cantor Media. Regarding pieces, i uh, got an interesting one about kind of the relationship between Tierney and Martinelli. If Tierney is to start, how that relationship with uh, Martinelli could develop. I know there's been kind of a bit of a, I feel as though a bit of a misconception about the what they've done in the past. No, they've not necessarily worked, but they've played four games in the Premier League together in which we won all four of them. So it's clearly something that does have uh, a level of success associated with it. Um, but that's that's it. So thank you for listening. Uh, do tune in for the show next week. Keep an eye out on our Twitters when we call out for questions and hopefully we can get one of yours onto the podcast. Uh, drop a like if you've enjoyed it. On the audio platforms, leave a review. A five-star one would be great. And an explanation on iTunes as well as to why you enjoy it would also be very helpful indeed. We will see you again very soon. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way with our views from the clock end.